Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Today we present part one of a live presentation that Dr. Jennings shared at the Chapel Oaks Seventh-day Adventist Church in Shawnee, Kansas. His subject, Healing a Broken Heart. Let's listen. Have you ever been hurt? Has your heart ever been broken? Have you ever felt pain so real it felt like your insides were being ripped out? Sadness so deep you were sure you would drown and never see the sunlight of happiness again. In 1993, I started my final year of psychiatric residency. I was stationed at Fort Gordon in Augusta, Georgia. In the summer of that year, my wife and I were celebrating our sixth anniversary. And as the new year approached, this was to be a year of celebration, a year of culmination of years of hard work, a year of fulfillment, of achievement. But it didn't work out that way. December 31, 1993, New Year's Eve, my wife moved out. She told me her plans was to have friends come and get her things while I was at work that day. So I went to work, New Year's Eve, with a heavy heart. The new year was not looking bright. And just when I thought it was bad, it got worse. At 11 a.m., New Year's Eve, 1993, my pager went off for me to call the hospital operator, Stat. I got on the phone, called the operator, was put through to a nurse at a hospital in Chattanooga, Tennessee, who told me my father had just died. They told me he was walking along in a conversation, fell over, they started CPR on the spot, ambulances were called, CPR was continued to the trip to the ambulance, several rounds of medication, but he never responded. My wife was moving out, and my father was dead at age 57. Have you ever been hurt? Has your heart ever been broken? Have you ever felt pain so real it felt like your insides were being ripped out? Sadness so deep you were sure you would drown and never see the sunlight of happiness again. I can tell you that whatever your heartache, whatever your pain, whatever your discouragement, it can be healed. No matter how bad the pain, don't give up. No matter how dark the depression, don't give in. No matter how high the hellish shadows of despair, don't surrender. But remember, if we put our life in Christ's hands, we can never be placed in a position for which God has not made provision. Whatever may be our situation, we have a divine helper to lead us to peace. Whatever our problems, we have a counselor to comfort our hearts. Whatever our sorrow, bereavement, or heartache, we have a sympathizing friend. It is God's desire to heal your wounds, to mend your broken heart, to remove your pain and make you whole. Think about a physical wound. Think about a gash, a a laceration, a physical wound that you've had happen to you. Once it's occurred, once we've had the wound, can we go back in history and undo it? Can we change time? Can we remove the, the fact that this wound is there? No, once we're wounded, we can't change history. We can't take it back. We can't undo it. So we have three options. Option number one, we can treat it most effectively to bring healing as efficiently and as quickly as possible, sutures, antiseptics, antibiotics. Two, we can ignore it. Ain't nothing wrong with me. Three, 
we can actively infect it, get some manure and rub in it. Once we've been wounded, we have three options. Heal it quickly, effectively, efficiently, ignore it, infect it. This is true with our emotional wounds as well. Once we've been emotionally wounded, we can't change history, we can't take it back, we can't undo it, so we can deal with it as quickly as possible to bring healing. We can ignore it, we can infect it. Jessica came to see me depressed, not sleeping, not eating, crying all the time. She was 27 and had a 13-month-old child, and six months earlier, she awoke to find her husband in bed, dead, next to her. Jessica blamed herself. She said, if I were awake, I would have heard him stop breathing. If if I would have heard him stop breathing, I could have awakened and, and done CPR. She filled her mind with images of him laying there cold and blue. She had a purse made and put his picture on it and carried it everywhere she went. She put pictures of him up all over the house. She thought of him constantly. She told herself, I can't go on without him. I should have died with him. She began to contemplate suicide. Jessica was hurt, injured, heartbroken. She had suffered loss, real loss. She could not undo the loss. She could not take it back. But Jessica was infecting the wound with lies, with distortions, with falsehoods that served only to worsen the pain, confuse the mind, and prevent healing. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This principle works on all levels. The truth may not be pleasant, but the truth heals. I had a patient who was dying of colon cancer. It was too late for treatment, too late to be saved, too far spread to heal. Joe was dying. Joe told me that four years earlier, he began to notice some rectal bleeding. But rather than going to the doctor for an evaluation, he told himself it must be hemorrhoids and ignored it. He had three options. He chose to ignore it. Joe took the fact of rectal bleeding and chose to create an explanation that was more comforting than the discomfort and fear of accepting what possibly could be. But had he gone four years earlier, most likely he would have been cured. It's the truth that heals and the truth sets free. John couldn't sleep. He couldn't eat. He cried frequently and felt like a loser and a failure. His wife of seven years had just left him for another man. And John began to ruminate, to blame himself. Maybe if I had more money, maybe if I was taller, maybe if I would have bought her more presents, maybe if I'd have taken her on more vacations, maybe, maybe, maybe. John was hurting. John was searching. But John was not being truthful with himself. That his wife's choices were reflections of her character, not his. John was infecting his broken heart with distortions that caused more pain and prevented healing. The truth heals. The truth sets free. If you've been hurt, if you're in pain, if you have lost something or someone, if you've been through divorce, if you have other injuries or pain, I want to review with you now seven steps that we can take to bring healing. Step one, stand your ground and do not run, even if painful. When I was six, in uh, the elementary school we went to, in those days they had uh, swings that had chains on the side and hard wooden seats for the swings. And we used to stand up on those things and swing. And those of us who weren't too bright would uh, try to run under the swings as people were standing and swinging on them. Anybody remember doing that? Is anybody not as bright as me out there that did that too? Don't raise your hand, okay? And I was in first grade, and I was six, and I had my timing off, and that swing came and hit me smack in the forehead and knocked me down and caused a laceration on my forehead. And I remember that the principal picked me up, called my mother, and my mother took me to the doctor. And I still have vivid images in my mind of being held on that table, and that doctor was coming at me with this needle. 
And if I could have run, I would have run. But fortunately, my mother held me and made me stand my ground. You see, our reflex when we're hurt is to run, to run from the pain. But if I would have run, I would have a nasty scar on my forehead today. I don't have one because my mother made me stand my ground. Stand your ground and do not run, even if painful. Our feelings lead us to temptation. Our feelings will often lead us away from the path of healing, from the path that is right for us. We must use our judgment to choose to do what is right despite how it feels. There's an old saying that helped me once. Maybe it'll help you. It goes like this. Pain is inevitable, but misery is optional. In this world, we can't avoid pain. Everybody experiences pain. Even Christ experienced pain. But misery almost always is an option that we're choosing. Consider an abscess. An abscess is an infection under the skin, and as it grows, there's like this pus pocket under the skin, and it's warm, it's tender, it's red, it's swollen. Now, I don't know if any of you know, you cannot cure an abscess with antibiotics. The reason for that is that blood can't get to the center of the abscess anymore. It's it's a pus pocket. Blood can't get there to cure it. So the blood can't bring the antibiotics in. So the way you cure an abscess is lancing it. You cut it open and you drain the pus. That's how you cure an abscess. Now imagine you've got that abscess. And it's got a chronic dull ache to it. It's not too bad. It's kind of just throbbing a little bit. And you can ignore it most of the time unless somebody touches it, bumps it. Then it hurts. But imagine what it would be like with that abscess when the doctor sticks in that scalpel and cuts it open. What's going to happen to your low chronic level of pain? Shoot way out the ceiling, right? But for how long? A skilled surgeon will have that thing drained in a few seconds. But for a few seconds, serious pain. But because of that marked increase in pain, many people will put it off. They'll avoid it. They won't stand their ground. And the longer they put it off, what happens to that abscess? It gets bigger, and it gets bigger. And if it doesn't eventually get drained, it will infect the blood, cause sepsis, and it can actually cause death. We have to stand our ground. Think about physical therapy. After a broken leg, it comes time to do your physical therapy. And it's first day, and you've got to put weight on that leg. What's that going to feel like? And if you have the attitude, you know what, doc, I'll be glad to do physical therapy as soon as it doesn't hurt. <laughs> You'll never walk again. We have to be able to make decisions with our judgment to do what's right, healthy, and reasonable, even if it doesn't feel good. We have to stand our ground. Grief hurts. And because it hurts, we have a reflexive response to try and run away. But we can never run away from grief. We can't go around it. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. We can only go through it. And so I use an analogy with my patients that help them deal with grief. I tell them to imagine going down to the beach. And if you're in the north, you go to the shore. Imagine you're out in the water and a wave is coming in. And as you see this wave, you turn to run away from it inland, but it's a pretty good size wave, and it catches you from behind as you're running away. What will it do? Knock you down. But if you see the wave coming, and as it approaches, you stand your ground and you'll lean into it, what happens? You float up over it and stay on your feet. Grief comes in waves. If you've never noticed that, those of us who've grieved, you'll know there'll be periods of relative calm where you're okay, you're not an abject crying spell, and then suddenly you'll hear a song on the radio, you'll see a hat, you'll smell a perfume, you'll see a cologne, you'll hear 
And boom, here comes that wave because we're running from it. And that wave knocks us down. We collapse. We've got to run out. We've got to go home. We can't stay in the supermarket. We can't stay at church. We're crushed under the weight because we're running from it. So I tell my patients, I want you to do these exercises. Schedule into your schedule 15 to 20 minutes every day where you can be home alone. And for those 15 to 20 minutes, you turn off the TV, radio, and everything else, and you sit down and you lean into it. You think about who you've lost. You think about what you've lost. You think about how your life has changed. And if it hurts and you need to cry, you cry. You're home alone. If you need to scream, that's why I want you alone, you just scream. If it's so bad you got to hit something, then you pound on your mattress. And you work this out every day. And then if you're out the next day and you see a hat that reminds you of your loved one, instead of falling down there, you go, you know what? I'm going to remember that hat during my 15-minute time tonight. Or you smell a cologne that remembers. See, I'm going to pull that cologne out and smell that cologne tonight during my time. Hear a song. I'm going to play that song tonight. And you bring that into your 15-minute time. You're going to have to go through it. You're not going to avoid it. But now you're staying on your feet rather than getting bashed around by these waves of grief. We don't ignore our feelings. We don't suppress them. We don't infect our wounds with them. We don't distort our ideas with them. We stand our ground and we deal with our feelings as directed by our good judgment. That was Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings speaking in Shawnee, Kansas at the Chapel Hill Seventh-day Adventist Church. You've been listening to part one of his series called Healing a Broken Heart, and we'll continue with these very meaningful talks on our next program. I invite you to join us. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Please stop by comeandreason.com and check out the resources that Dr. Jennings and his ministry team have made available to help us all as we do our best to survive this life. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. Together.